Today we're exploring the powerful film Till, starring Danielle Deadweiler as a mother and activist. Here's Deborah Watts, the co-founder of the Emmett Till Legacy Foundation. We're just privileged and honoured that she has embraced it and understands how important it is for today to connecting the past to the present and future. So it syncs up with our mission. It syncs up with everything that we do going forward. I also speak to writer Ellen E. Jones on today's Girls on Film. Fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy night. I'm going to get that gun of mine, and I'm going to change you from a rooster to a hen with one shot. Some people call me a freak. I hate that word. I don't believe in it. Better yet, I don't believe in labels. You know, I think you're the only girl in the world that can stand on a stage with a spotlight in her eye and still see a diamond inside a man's pocket. Because I'm up at five every morning working my ass off. Does someone want to just tell me to my face, you're never going to give me the scores I deserve? Hello and welcome to Girls on Film. I'm Anna Smith, and this episode is devoted to the BAFTA-nominated film Till, which is in cinemas and also available on digital download. This powerful film, directed by Shinoye Chukwu, tells the true story of Mamie Till Bradley, whose 14-year-old son Emmett was brutally murdered in 1955. The film shows her fight for justice and features an incredible performance from Danielle Deadweiler, who's been nominated for leading actress at the BAFTAs. We're also happy that Till has been nominated at the Girls on Film Awards for Best Feature, sponsored by Eon Productions. Here to discuss Till with me is writer and broadcaster Ellen E. Jones. Well, Ellen, welcome to Girls on Film. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really looking forward to hearing what you think of Till. It's such a powerful film with an incredible performance from Danielle Deadweiler. But before we discuss that, for the listeners who may be not so aware of the story or haven't seen the film yet, could you give a little bit of background on the story and how it approaches real life events? Yeah, so... In August of 1955, a 14-year-old black boy from Chicago was in Mississippi to spend time with his family and was murdered in essentially an act of white supremacist terrorism. That death, his murder, his name was Emmett Till, was an inciting factor in the civil rights movement. Or at least that's the history that I always, that I learned at school and, and that I've been aware of. That was kind of the extent of what I knew about Emmett Till's story and the story of how his death played into the civil rights movement until I saw Shinoya Chukwe's incredible film. Well, as you say, it is truly incredible. She makes some really interesting editorial choices here in, in how to tell the story and how to approach it. Obviously, very much from the mother's point of view, but are there other ways that you sort of felt that it was different in the way or very distinct in the way she chose to tell it narratively? I think there's two key planks, two sort of narrative deciding factors that make this film important and that allow her to tell a story that is incredibly tricky to tell correctly and respectfully. And those two factors are, the first is that she very much centres or re-centres the story of Emmett Till's mother, Mamie Till Mobley, and how she was able in this just breathtakingly courageous way to take a horrible tragedy and use it as motivation to liberate 
many, many people or to do her bit for the liberation of black people in America. Even putting it into words kind of cheapens it because it's obviously there's so much emotion in that and so much personal tragedy. But the heroism of Mamie Till Mobley is really comes out in this film. Um, so that's the one thing is making it do her story rather than the story of, you know, a, a group of male civil rights activists, which is often told as or even as, the, as centering on the horrible things, the horrible way her son was treated and killed. So that's one aspect. And then the other is that she made the decision very early on not to show the actual act of murder and torture, to have that happen off camera. It's not to say there aren't some incredibly difficult scenes in Till, there are. I think she was quite conscious of the fact that she wanted this to be a film that didn't add to the trauma of black audiences who who were sadly used to seeing black history sometimes depicted in ways that seem kind of exploitative or used for entertainment or just you know even when it's done in a respectful and historic way just relentlessly seeing black history as only the story of suffering and slavery um, is limiting so i think she wanted to be very careful about the way that she depicted those aspects of the story do you feel that other filmmakers are feeling this too? Do you feel there's a sort of shift in this direction now that people are just fed up of what you're talking about and moving forward in a kind of, in a refocused way? Yeah, I mean, when I spoke to uh, Shinoya Chukwu, I, I sort of touched on this because it's definitely a conversation that people have been having. Like the story of the civil rights movement or the black liberation movement in America has been told on screen before, but very often in a kind of white centering way. So you know, as a minimum, it would have uh, these films, films like Ghost of Mississippi, which is directed by Rob Reiner and it has a, a white male writer as well. Um, and it's centers the story on Alec Baldwin's character. So these stories have been told before, but often in a, in a way that kind of centers white people. So I think moving into the kind of 21st century, and especially after the re resurgence of the Black Lives Matter movement, Black Hollywood and Black filmmakers have been asserting their right to tell these stories themselves. And with that comes a consciousness of how these stories land with black audiences. So I think absolutely, it's not it's not about only depicting black people in a way that's sort of joyful and happy-go-lucky, or but it's just about, you know, giving voice to the full human reality, um, which involves misery, but also involves joy. And Till is, is incredible in that respect. The final scene of that film, which, you know, given the subject matter is quite miraculous. It's a moment of joy plucked out of the depths of despair. So I think Till is an incredible example of, of how these different aspects of the Black American experience can be captured on film. You know, when you mentioned that scene, I, I felt tearful again. It's so, so powerful. And as you say, to find joy amidst terrible tragedy is a real talent, I think, in, in filmmaking and to get that balance right. And I think this film really does it. And a lot of, you know, what is key to that is Danielle Deadweiler's performance, isn't it? Talk to me about that. Are there any particular moments that you would like to highlight without spoilers that you were just taken aback by just her commitment and, for me, how she utterly inhabited this role? He's just going to see his cousins. It's not a bad thing for him to know where he come from. Well, Chicago is all he needs to know. I don't want him seeing himself the way those people are seen down there. Those people like me. Even you left Mississippi, Mama. Mamie, Bo is growing up. 
You're going to have to let him go. All right, I know that face. That is the face of mama. Mind your business and go home. Where's my pocketbook? Mm-hmm. Right here. Oh, there it is. You need to get you some rest, too. Come okay. on, baby. I'll call you tomorrow. All right. Well, I want to say, first of all, that, that Shinoya Shukwu has form in this area because her previous film, Clemency, uh, brought out an incredible performance in Alfred Woodard as this um, prison warden who is really kind of pulled apart by her proximity to state violence as working on death row. So I knew that as a director, she had this in her. And when, when we spoke, it was really notable how, like, fascinated and alive and she she came when we spoke, came to uh, talking about performance. Like she's she really admires incredible actors. She loves working with them, and she very much sees it as a partnership. So so that's the kind of context in which Daniel Deadweiler was able to bring this just like breathtaking magic to the screen. For me, there's a scene um, in the courtroom. It's when she's giving testimony in, in the trial of her son's killers. And the camera is very focused on her face, which is which in itself, I mean, it's, it's an extreme close up on her face. And in itself, that's a demonstration of the trust the director has in her actor. You know, she's carrying the whole weight of this historic moment on her face. And I just think that she expresses more in that kind of extended shot in that in that scene than many actors manage on their whole careers. <laughs> yeah, I think that's very true, actually. <laughs> I wanted to ask you, for yourself watching this film, did you have any particular personal response or did anything resonate with you personally? I'm sure much of it did, but I'm, if you wouldn't mind sharing, I'd be interested to know. I was glad that I had gone to see it professionally, you know, because I kind of think, being brutally honest, that I might have not wanted to see it unless, you know, I had reason to go for work. And I'm so glad I did see it. And the reason I, I didn't think I wanted to see it was because I thought I knew this story. I thought I was well aware of of Emmett Till's death and its significance in history. And I didn't want to sit there in a cinema and just see misery, you know, in front of me. But that's absolutely not what the film's doing. It's like, it's a real um, testament to cinema's ability to find meaning in apparently just horrible, meaningless tragedy. So I'm so glad I saw it because of all these things that I can't quite articulate because only the film can. And I also really admired the way it kind of, drew a line from Mamie Till Mobley's activism to the present day. Um, there's just certain shot choices and and ways, that the way that the, the film kind of has a sense of foreboding about it and Mamie Till, and that's it shares that with Mamie Till. I mean, that's historic. If you read her, her book, she talks about having a feeling that's, something terrible was going to happen, which I think actually a lot of parents of teenagers can identify with in, you know, less extreme ways, obviously. But like, and then the, but the film also has that kind of feeling of foreboding. And I think that sense of being both in the past and in the present at the same time connects the activism of then to the activism of now. And it makes it, I mean, that's what I mean when I talk about giving meaning, it, it makes it a call to activism as well as um, a historical drama. And at the Los Angeles premiere, Merle Evers, who's the widow of, of Medgar Evers, who was a, a, um, another important civil rights activist who was murdered by the Ku Klux Klan and is actually was played by Whoopi Goldberg in in that film Ghost of Mississippi, who's who's in Till in a kind of in a funny in a funny coincidence. Yeah, she gave she apparently gave this speech um, that was incredible and kind of talked to the, the filmmakers today about their roles and responsibilities and and their power. 
and how film and cinema can be a part of this bigger movement. Yeah, well, we're also speaking to Deborah from the Till Foundation in this episode, and I think, yeah, it'll be really interesting to hear what she says on, on that front because the fight certainly goes on. Mm. What, for you, are the most important messages that people can take away from this film then, with that in mind? Well, to bring it back from the sort of wider context of the movement back to the industry itself, I did want to make the point that, like, part of how Chuck Who Works is in a very practical on-set way, that she is very collaborative and caring from what, you know, what I've heard from her cast and crew, with, with her cast and crew, and that she is careful to understand that, that enacting these horrible scenes from history is can be kind kind of traumatizing especially for black americans so like she's she was very caring i, I was very struck by a story she said she told about um in the moment of shooting the scene from the film where um emmett till is dragged away from his family by the by his murderers um and there's sort of nothing they can do because of this you know wider context of the white supremacist state and them having no power Jalen Hall, who was only 14 at the time, which is the same age that Emmett Till was when he was murdered, just had to pause and he wanted his mother. And I was just so struck by that. And and she paused and she, you know, he he went to his mother and was comforted by his mother. And then when he was ready and she made sure he was ready, they began shooting again kind of thing. But just the way that in the making of the film, she was able to kind of reintroduce some of the compassion to this that was, you know, desperately missing, obviously, at the time. Emmett just wanted to go on vacation and have fun with his cousins. I wanted him to be a boy and to not have his childhood taken away from him. He never thought anything would happen to him. Is this the right boy? Incredible scene. I am personally so glad that we, that Danielle has been BAFTA nominated, but I'm astonished that she wasn't Oscar nominated. Would you care to comment on that? <laughs> I just don't know what more she could have done. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It just seems what? to me like a, just an incredible performance in an important film, seemingly ticking all the boxes that the Academy usually look for in, in a performer. I mean, I was I was glad to read uh, Gina Prince Bythewood, the Woman King director's piece in the Hollywood Reporter the other day about, you know, what this says about the way in which Black women's achievements still continue to go unrecognised in Hollywood. So yeah, I just it's just sort of bizarre and breathtaking. I mean, there's lots of people, there's lots of deserving nominees, but yeah, I really thought she should have been. But it's really about commending the best performance of the year. How is she not in the top five? It makes no sense. Yeah, I completely agree. And I, and I agree, Gina made a valid point, which I'd already got quite angry about, just total absence of black women in the lineup mm. when there'd been so many incredible films, like yeah. the year of the woman king and Till. And, and what? Yeah, <laughs> it's just, it, it, it just used mad. to be that the excuse was, oh, well, there just aren't enough films being made with black women in the leads. And now that's <laughs> not, I mean, that was always nonsense, but now it's really been demonstrated for the nonsense that it always was. Blatant nonsense, exactly. Well, um, Ellen, I'll let you go shortly, but tell us what else you're up to and where we can hear you next and read you next i'm writing regularly for the guardian on film and television and sometimes in empire when they let me and um i'm the co-presenter of bbc uh, radio 4 screenshot with mark kermode and what have you got coming up on screenshot are you allowed to tell us any hints well, we've just finished a series secret? so we're in we're in the bunker coming up with some great ideas for the new series currently well i look 
I look forward to it because it's always a really great listen. So thank you for that. And thank you so much for making your Girls on Film debut. How rather marvellous. Yeah, exciting. Thanks for having me. That was Ellen E. Jones. My next and final guest is Deborah Watts, the co-founder of the Emmett Till Legacy Foundation, who is also the cousin of Emmett Till. Deborah, welcome to Girls on Film. Thank you. It's I'm wonderful. Uh, honoured to be with you. It's wonderful to have you on the podcast and congratulations on the vital work that you do in the Emmett Till Legacy Foundation. Oh, thank you so much. And now the incredible film Till is out in the UK. I think obviously more people here are learning about Emmett Till and his mother, Mamie. Um, but for those who don't know yet, could you explain briefly who they were and about the foundation? Uh, yes. Emmett, 14 years of age, growing up in Chicago with his mother, no brothers and sisters. And she, Mamie, uh, was also single mom at the time, was, was married but divorced. Her husband went off to the war. And so she and Emmett were living this, this life of support where he was very supportive of her and uh, living in Chicago with a very close family who had migrated from the Mississippi area to the north in Chicago. And many of our relatives visited there pretty often. That was the life that, that they lived. Mamie was working at the time, and Emmett was one of her helpmates. He had a stuttering problem, um, speech problem at the time, and had suffered from polio at an early age as well. And so struggling through that, they developed this really strong relationship. And, and that's who both of them were. And we see in the incredible film, Till, what tragedy ensued, which is now a vital part of the work you do and what inspired the foundation that you work in. Could you tell me a little bit more about the foundation and the work that you do? Well, our foundation was uh, started in uh, 2005, just two years after Mamie Till Mobley passed, and that's Emmett's mother. And we started out just, we're family members, and we knew that we wanted to use our skills and our abilities and our passion to move forward with the work that Mamie did. Now, certainly we can't we can't step into her footsteps because she definitely was unique in the nature that was Emmett's mother. She had a level of personality that is unmatched, if you will, but we wanted to collectively provide our skills and abilities and our passion to move justice forward, along with the work that she did in education, making sure that we connected in with young people. And basically, our mission is to connect the past to the present and future and make sure that Emmett's death is not in vain. So that involves a lot, you know, whether it's hosting memorial uh, services on the date of his death, his birth, and her date of her death and birth along with programs that give her honor as well. We have a Women of Courage Awards. We do programming where we share Emmett's story with audiences all across the country called The Power of History, Turning Tragedy into Triumph. And we provide scholarships for continuing education, which is something that Emmett did not have a chance to do. He was 14 at the time. So we want to make sure that uh, the lives of other young people can move forward. And education was such an important part of Mamie's life and what we want to, to make sure that we pour into the lives of young people as well. well. Your activism is inspiring. And in the film, Till, Danielle Deadwaller is incredible as Mamie. Again, a very inspiring activist and such an incredible woman. What are your earliest memories of her? My earliest memories of her include 
uh, she and her mom, Alma, who was played by Whoopi Goldberg, uh, visiting my great-grandfather. My great-grandfather and Emmett's great-grandfather were brothers. And my great-grandfather lived to be about 97. I fortunately had an opportunity to live with him once he migrated from Mississippi. So I was in the home with them when they were visited by their their nieces and nephews. And Mamie ended up being one of them, along with her mom. My great-grandfather, Joe Smith, was just a favorite in the family. He was a jokester. He told wonderful stories. And he was someone that embraced all of his family. So they loved to visit. And those are my memories of, of her and her mom being religious. They would uh, hold prayer services. They would take up collections during funerals. They were always at reunions. Our family was really important to us. My memory, though, about Emmett was when I was a toddler and uh, Mamie was traveling across the country with the NAACP and she visited Omaha, Nebraska, which is where I was born and raised and where they visited my great-grandfather. And she had just spoken to a large group. And I was in the back of the room holding the hand of one of my aunts. And after her speech, I was able to look through this booklet that was created by a photojournalist by the name of Ernest Withers. And in that booklet was, and it was sold for a dollar, few pages, but it was about the trial of Emmett, but I was able to see the horrific nature uh, that he was left in once he was lynched. And I tore up a few copies of that, not knowing, and I have one copy left, which is very valuable today, but I, at early age, was able to connect her pain, the whispers in my family with what I saw in that booklet. And I knew I wanted to know more. So through the years, I would find myself at reunions cornering her and talking to her about what happened, what could I do to help, uh, how could I help. And eventually I was summoned by Mamie in 1989 to join her at the unveiling of the Civil Rights Memorial in Montgomery, Alabama. There I met Rosa Parks, Julian Bond, all of these heroines and, and historians and those that we know from the Civil Rights Movement. And I met the family of, of Martin Luther King, his children, along with Medgar Evers. And these are huge names, you know, in our history. But I was able to join her there, help her write her speech. And then from there, you know, just admired her from afar. And um, it's so much, you know, and it's so hard to capsulize it in such a small moment. But as you probably could tell, I'm, I just loved her. I'm just honored, you know, that we have an opportunity to continue some of her work. Well, the film, you know, invites the audience to admire her greatly. And also it feels like a, a very important way of spreading the word about what you do and about what happened. Barbara Broccoli, of course, is the producer of this film and was determined to tell the story. Can you talk to me a bit about her and why you think it's important that big names like her support films like this? Yes. Well, it's such an honor that she has taken this interest, that she has found that this story is an important one that needs to be told. And then the work continues as well. And so we're just privileged and honored that she has embraced it and understands how important it is for today to connecting the past to the present and future. So it syncs up with our mission. It syncs up with everything that we do going forward. And I'm just pleased and just grateful that she has poured her expertise, her interest into this. And I just love the fact that they've been able to invest in this story being told with the incredible actors 
and actresses that that are portraying my family, you know, if you will, and that this is going across the globe. So how, I, you know, I'm on cloud nine, if you will, and just so ecstatic, but just grateful, you know, that that she, along with the others, have used their talents, their expertise, and I would say their their investment, you know, in our future, because this connecting the past to the present does inform our future. And hopefully our future will be a lot better than the horrific nature. I say the DNA in America, unfortunately, which we need to have a transplant, if you will, and just turn things around. You know, we're still fighting for justice. I don't know if you know that. And Barbara knows that our continuous journey is happening as we speak. You know, I don't know if you heard about a warrant for the arrest for Carolyn Bryant Donham, who's shown in the film, uh, yes. We found that warrant. We went to the basement area of LaFleur County Courthouse. And so our journey continues. And I'm just just grateful that we have the kind of support that we have. The body of Emmett Lewis Till has been found dead. I need to prepare you. Can you bring Emmett's black suit? It's how he'd like to be seen. Bo's in no kind of shape to be seen by him. He's in just the right shape. That smell is my son's body, reeking of racial hatred. Come with me, please. It's exciting to know that, that it hasn't ended yet because certainly as a viewer, I watch that film and I end with such a sense of fury, fury about the injustice, but also a great desire to see justice being done. So uh, I really hope that the film helps with that. Do you think film is, in general is an important way of spreading the word and, and are rewards important to, you know, this helps shine a light on it, doesn't it? It really does. I think film, anything literary, arts, helps tell a story because, you know, we're in a lot of different places where where we work, where what our, our expertise may be, and then those things that we find recreational or whatever. And so this film, I think, touches on so many areas and it just exposes, I think, these different perspectives. It allows for conversation about a topic that we probably never would talk about. And then it also shines a light on the kind of artistic nature and talent that brings these stories together. So I just find that it, it does open that door for opportunity. It opens that door for having discussions with people that, I mean, I'm finding myself here in the UK, which I never would have thought to talk about people that I love, people that I honor and, and the work that we do. So yes, this opens that door and I think exposes this uh, in so many ways to so many other people that we would not have had that opportunity beforehand. And director Choi Chuku does such an interesting decision with the film. And I like the way what you were saying is focusing on the love for a mother and the son in a way, strangely uplifting take on a very tragic story. Yes. You know, it is a sad story, but I'll tell you, I don't think many mothers could not find themselves in Mamie's shoes. You know, I think she provides that kind of a mother's love is so strong. And what she was able to do through that, I think it provides that kind of courage that many mothers finding themselves in that same situation would probably do the same. Unfortunately, it happened to Mamie. It happened in our family. And she provides that blueprint. But for a mother's love, it also humanizes Emmett. You know, as a child, he was 14, you know, a curious person with a lot of swag, as I call it. He had a lot of style and it was shown in how his mother cared for him. 
and his sense of, you know, being fun and free. And what other 14 year old doesn't have that kind of uh, of environment. I mean, there are some that do not, but this is this is typically was a typical teenager, and I think other families could find themselves. Unfortunately, if this happened, they could relate, you know, to to what happened to Emmett. One month ago, I had a nice apartment in Chicago. I had a son. When something happened to the Negroes in the South, I said, "Well, that's their business, not mine." Now I know what happens to any of us anywhere in the world had better be the business of us all. You know, sometimes I just think about if that even happened to me and what would would happen. I know one thing that I find uh, that men have a hard time with this movie. They they watch it and it, it embodies them, but they leave out with clenched fists. They can't open their fists up. So we are working on how we can connect with them and have conversation about how you transfer that kind of anger to action and passion and purpose. Uh, Women, fortunately, can do that. Mothers can do that because of the kind of action that Mamie took. We can push forth, you know, with our purpose and passion. I think men are finding a hard time doing that. So that's part of the work we are recognizing that we need to continue to do to open those doors for young men, teenagers as well, men and young men and women and communities, you know, across the globe to have these conversations. That's a really interesting point about gender. And just to wrap up, I'd love to ask you, how can the listeners listening to Girls on Film right now, wherever they are in the world, how can they help and support you? Well, right now we have a petition. I don't know if you can join it. Um, We're asking people to text Emmett to 243725. That is a petition on moveon.org that allows for uh, communities to join us on our fight for justice. We're asking for charges to be brought against Carolyn Bryant Donham, who is the last living known accomplice in Emmett's uh, kidnapping and murder. There was a warrant for her arrest. It was never served. We found it and we need that warrant to be served. And so that is a petition that we're asking people to, to join us with. They can also follow us on all of our social media. We have Instagram, we have Twitter and Facebook. So uh, please follow us, follow our work, invite us in to share our story. We do have a unique perspective that I think not many folks here. And so we can provide that intimacy, you know, that level of intimacy about our relationship in our family, the love and support we have, how close our family was, and how that closeness has moved us towards action. And for others, I think it inspires them to take action as well, where whatever may happen in their family and their communities, we just encourage people to be inspired by our work. Uh, from civil rights era, even before, to even those families, unfortunate families today. So we just want to have people of faith continue to pray for us, pray for our victories, pray for us to uh, receive truth, justice, and accountability, and healing. We also have advocacy in our legislative system. We're looking for a way for our, our legislators to have laws that can provide support for healing, therapy, and also creating memorials uh, for these these unfortunate victims and their families. The generational pain is, is deep. 
And so we're just looking for a way to move forward beyond that and to uh, move forward towards power and purpose. Thank you so much, Deborah, for all the incredible work you do once again and for sharing that with us today on Girls on Film. We really appreciate your time and best of luck with Teal. I hope all our listeners go to see it. Thank you. I do too. Thank you so much. That was Deborah Watts. You can watch Till in cinemas and at home. The BAFTA Film Awards take place on Sunday the 19th of February 2023 and we'll be presenting the Girls on Film Awards on the 23rd of February. Our interview with Shonoye Chukwu for the film Clemency was in episode 41 of Girls on Film, so you can listen to that now. If you'd like to support Girls on Film, please consider signing up to our Patreon page. The link is in the show notes and you can help by pledging just the price of a coffee once a month. Girls on Film is an HLA production brought to you by executive producer Hedda Archbold, audio editor Emma Butt, intern Eleanor Hardy, and our partners for this episode are principal partners Peter Brewer and Vanessa Smith. I'm your host, Anna Smith. Speak to you soon. The whole world has to see what happened to my son.